Uh, we've already covered sessions one, two, and three. So today we are looking at session four. We have seen the object of our prayer, the point being a right view of God fuels how we pray. We've seen in session two a prayer of praise, point being our prayers are driven by the desire to honor God. And in session three, we have seen a, a prayer of surrender, the point being approach prayer with humble submission to the will of God. Today, we're looking at praying for ourselves. Sometimes we pray and we leave ourselves out, don't we? So we're going to look at praying for ourselves today, how we do that. But here's a setting for our session today. Jesus taught his disciples how to live as citizens in the kingdom of God. We see that in Matthew chapter 5, read from Matthew 5 through 7. He instructed them to pray in a way that would enable them to serve him faithfully. His model for prayer showed how to ask the Lord to provide what they would need. We saw that in verse 11 of chapter 6. Generations earlier, King Hezekiah took a critical need in his life to the Lord. In turn, the Lord responded to his prayer. And we have that story recorded in Isaiah chapter 38, uh, the verse 17 verses. Okay, let's look then at our first question in our study today on page 93. What's the best thing you've tasted that was made from scratch? The best thing you've tasted that was made from scratch. People still make stuff from scratch, right? They know all these recipes and cookbooks and the food channel and, and all that stuff going around. Do people still make stuff from scratch? They do, right? Okay, so what's the, what's the, what's the best thing you, you've tasted recently uh, that was made from scratch? Cheesecake. Huh? Cherry cheesecake. Cherry cheesecake. Okay. That must have been good. Coconut tart. All right. Who else? They were really good, right? Could you tell they were made from scratch? Could you tell? Uh, or they told you? I made it from scratch. Oh, you made it from scratch. Okay. So you're going you're gonna, you're gonna to get orders now. <laughs> Okay, all right, let's look at uh, Bible Meets Life. Um, I love homemade bread. <laughs> a dear lady in our church knows this, and regularly brings me both the delicious bread she makes from a starter, from a starter mix that has been in her family for over a hundred years. She even slices the bread before she delivers it. Oh, also is that. As much as I enjoy a homemade bread, it's a luxurious treat, not a necessity. But bread, or rather food in general, is something we all need daily. Many of us don't have only a second thought about where our next meal will come from. What we need is always ready to available. That's not true at all. However, it certainly was true in the first century. 
the average man works for a yearly wage. He's essentially covered his family's expense for that day only. If he missed the day of work, he might miss feeding his family. We all have things we need, but we are do we look for those needs? God knows we have physical needs. And in his mother prayer, Jesus encouraged us to go to God with those needs. Okay. And what is the point of our lesson today? Okay, take your wants. Is it wants? needs, right? But most of the times, what do people do? They take their wants, right? Uh, they, they, they misunderstand that one. He says, take your needs to the Lord daily and trust Him to answer. People do today is they take their wants to God and they demand an answer from God. And when God doesn't answer, they say that prayer doesn't work and it's useless praying. Let's pray. Lord, help us to know what to pray for when it comes to ourselves. Thank you for the way you have been faithful in answering our prayers to this point. We commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's look at the first, uh, we have two passages uh, to begin with, uh, and that would be uh, Matthew 6, 11, it's one verse. And then Isaiah chapter 38, three verses there, one to three. If we can have someone just read the verses, please. Give us this day our daily bread. In those days, Hezekiah became turning on the hill. The prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, came and said to him, This is what the Lord says Set your house in order, for you are about to die. And then Hezekiah turned his face to the Lord and prayed to the Lord. He said, Please, Lord, remember how I have walked before you faithfully and wholeheartedly, and have done what pleases you. And Hezekiah wept. Okay, let's look at those verses uh, that we read. Um, in um, Hezekiah, the passages on Hezekiah, uh, it says in those days Hezekiah became sick and his illness was terminal. He was sick at the point of death and Isaiah said, the prophet son of Amos came to him and said to him, thus says the Lord, set your house in order for you shall die, you shall not recover. So King Hezekiah had a personal need. That was a personal need that he took to the Lord in prayer. A helpful example for us as we think about how we are to pray for ourselves. Hezekiah ruled as king over Judah during the time of national peril. Syria had a large and growing empire that attempted to overtake Judah and it posed a dangerous threat uh, as recorded in, in Isaiah chapters 36 and 37. In the context of, not, of that threatening situation, another crisis 
uh, began to loom on an ominous shadow over, the, over Hezekiah's life. A personal health crisis. Prophet Isaiah reported that Hezekiah had a terminal illness and gave him no hope he would recover. We don't know what that illness was. Bible doesn't tell us. But we do read that it was terminal. By telling Hezekiah to get his house in order, Isaiah meant that, that he should give attention to making royal, personal, and spiritual preparations before he died. All of those areas he needed to cover. Royal, personal, spiritual. In other words, get things right with God, get the kingdom in order, get your personal life in order, because you're going to die. There's no hope for you. Death would soon come his way. He didn't have, he didn't need to delay his preparation for it because it was coming. And then in verses 2 and 3 we read, Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord and said, Notice what he said, Please, O Lord, remember how I walked with you before you, walked before you in faithfulness and with a whole heart, and have done what is good in your sight? Hezekiah wept bitterly. What do we get from that verse? What kind of attitude did he have? What kind of... What do we, what do we, what do we see in that verse? Submission. Submission? Okay, what else? Humbleness. Hmm? Humbleness. Humbleness. Right? Now pay close attention to Hezekiah's response to the bad news. He didn't ask Isaiah to plead with God for him. He said, please go, go, go plead on my behalf. Tell him what a good man I was and, and what I did and this and that and the next. Neither did he explode in uncontrollable anger out of a sense that God had mistreated him. You know, some people do that. You know, when bad news hit them and stuff like that, they start getting angry at God and blaming God and cussing God out. Didn't do that. Instead, he turned to the Lord in prayer. Facing the wall... He turned out all of the other voices, turned into the wall, and he blocked everything out that would interfere with what he was going to do. Hezekiah only wanted to talk with the Lord. As he prayed, he confirmed the value of God's hand in his life. He asked the Lord to remember the way he had lived his life. His prayer reflected his sincere humility and his tears underscored his unconsolable sorrow. In other words, he was deeply remorseful, repentant, and humble. Hezekiah had given no consideration to the possibility his life might end sooner than he anticipated. As he came to terms with death, instinctively he turned to the Lord in prayer. Let's look at the paragraphs that we're given and that goes along with that verse. Uh, could we have someone read that, please? This is our fourth session for the model prayer, and we're just getting now down, getting to the part where most people start praying for ourselves. This does not mean praying for ourselves is not important, because Jesus wants us to come to Him with our needs, but to get in the right frame of mind to come to God with our own needs, we focus our prayers first on honoring him, seeking his kingdom, and desiring his will. Jesus urged us to pray for ourselves. Give us today our daily bread. 
Daily bread clearly refers to food, but it can also represent a merit of other needs we face every day. We obviously need more than bread and life, but our daily need for food naturally symbolizes our need to look to God and depend on Him for all He provides, physically, financially, and emotionally, and spiritually. Whatever we need, we can pray about it. God uses his needs in life to train us in prayer. Our emptiness drives us to the one who can fill us. As some have said, we are to look to God, meet our need, and not our greed. But how can we know the difference? Sometimes we may not immediately recognize the difference between a genuine need or pursuit of self-interest even if we unintentionally pray amiss, our, our Heavenly Father can gently correct us. For this reason, it is best to pray about everything and let God determine the results of our prayers, as well as the motives of the heart. As we mature spiritually, we will grow more attuned to our intentions in prayer and sense when we are praying for things God never intended us to pursue. A key factor toward the end is in the present of our needs in light and what we've already learned from the model prayer. Yeah, okay, next page. Still me? Number one. Point. Take your needs to God daily and trust Him to answer. Seek the honor of God. Your name to be honored is holy. Will what I'm asking for bring honor and glory to Christ? Seek the kingdom of God. Your kingdom come. Am I asking for a position of living under his lordship? Seek the will of God. Your will be done. Am I placing God's will before my own? We turn to King Hezekiah, who reigned over Judah in the early part of the 7th century B.C. as an example of praying for ourselves. When the prophet Isaiah broke the news to the dying king that he had only a short time to live, Hezekiah immediately turned to God in prayer. Hezekiah wanted to live. God never promised to prolong our lives indefinitely. God doesn't give us more years on the earth but as we see, but as we will see, God gave King Hezekiah 15 more years. No matter how much time we are given, we all know we have we will leave this earthly life someday. But God does promise to meet our daily needs. He will give us what we need for today. Okay. So when we look at the first paragraph there in those passages, we notice that it says that this is the fourth session from the model prayer and we're just now getting to the part where most people start. Isn't that true? Most people start by praying for themselves, right? Uh, and that, what does that tell us about how people start praying? Selfish. Selfish, right? We still got, we still got that old Adamic nature. And sometimes it raises his ugly head and it shows up in how we pray. 
starting with ourselves, selfishness. Praying for ourselves. This does not mean that praying for ourselves is not important because Jesus wants us to come to him with our needs. But to get in the right frame of mind to come to God with our own needs, we must focus first on honoring him. Uh, putting God first, take care of God's needs, and then God's going to take care of your needs. Put, uh, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. It's said right there, very clear. Uh, question number two. Why pray since God already knows what you need? Sometimes people ask that question. Why? Why pray since God already knows what you need? You have to pray in the reality of truth because um, we are nothing and less than nothing without Him. Okay. He is our provider in all things. Okay. Great. Yeah. He, he made us uh, pre-mortal agents. He, he didn't say we have to do this. He leaves it to us to believe Him. Okay. okay. All right. Anybody else? I think it's because we're in a relationship with God, just like a, we were talking about this the other day with your children. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes our, our children, as they get older, they just come to us when they have a, a real need. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and they, but they'll go to other people first. Mm-hmm. You know, their friends and, you know, people that they, then, then when they find their friends aren't helping, they come to us. And God doesn't want that. He wants us to come with all our needs and our wants and desires to Him because we have a relationship with Him. Okay. When we don't. All right. Anybody else? What things can, can hold us back in taking our needs to God? This is a by-the-road question. <laughs> what things can hold us back from taking our needs to God? You know, God, God is omniscient, right? It means He knows everything. All right? So when we, when, we, when we come to Him in our prayer, when we come to Him uh, with our needs, what are we demonstrating? Even though He's omniscient, we go to Him and we ask Him, what are we demonstrating? Our dependence upon Him. Our dependence on Him, right? We're saying, Lord, I know you know everything, but I want you to know how dependent I am. I'm not independent. I am dependent on you. You know our needs. I'm just coming to you to acknowledge what my needs are. So we're showing our independence. So what holds us back from taking our needs to God? The everyday riff and rough of the day's activity of, of petty stuff in most cases. Okay. What else? I think our pride and then thinking that we have the ability, even when we know we don't, but we think at times we have the ability to do things without God. Right. Okay. Now we see a little child. Uh, trying to put on their clothes and they can't get it right and the parent go to help them, what happens? It's angry. <laughs> no, no, leave me, leave me, leave me. They want to do it themselves. They can't do it right. But they want to do it. And sometimes we're like that. You know, we know we can't get it right and uh, we don't want no help. I got this, Lord. I got it. God wants us to come to Him. Notice the points that were highlighted here. Um, in the, in the model, he says, seek the, honor, seek the honor of God, seek the kingdom of God, and seek the will of God. Three points there you want to keep in mind. Now, the next verse is we see how God graciously answers our request in accordance with His will, not ours. 
Most of the times he wanted to be answered according to our will, right? Okay, let's look at verses 4 to 6 of uh, Isaiah 38. Someone just read the verses, uh, the six verses there, please. Four, six, verses 4 to 6. Then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah, Go and tell Hezekiah, this is what the Lord God of your ancestor David says. I have heard your prayer, I have seen your tears. Look, I am going to add 15 years to your life, and I will rescue you and this city from the grasp of the king of Assyria. I will defend this city. Okay. All right, the, the word of the Lord came to Isaiah. Not long after Isaiah, Hezekiah prayed, God gave him an answer. That was a quick one. Earlier that day, Isaiah had given Hezekiah the bad news about his, his terminal illness. Then Isaiah left the king's residence and made his way through the courtyard. That's when God told him to go back to Hezekiah with his answer to the king's prayer. He didn't even leave the courtyard yet. He wasn't even out of the, out of the premises yet. God had already answered his prayer. The Lord's response says something about his grace in response to our requests. Also, it validates the truth about God's desire for us. He wants us to enjoy an intimate relationship with him. He is not eager to keep his distance from his people. Neither does God turn a deaf ear when we bring our needs to him. Sometimes people think that. Oh, God's deaf today. He's not listening. Oh, he's too busy with Iraq and Iran and all what's going on down there. He don't have no time for my little old stuff. God is never deaf to the, uh, to the needs of his people. God's response to Hezekiah's prayer points to his attentiveness as well as his compassion toward us. He listens when we pray and he intends to answer when we bring our requests to him. God always has an intention to answer our prayer. Not many people believe that. They think that God doesn't have any intention to answer their prayer because of the time it takes for him to answer. But God always has or intends to answer our prayer one way or another. Yes, no, or wait. But he's going to answer. He has an intention to answer. Not having an intention means he is ignoring us. And sometimes, well, we know everybody gets angry when they're ignored, right? And certainly with God there's no exception. People get angry with God when they think that God is ignoring them. But we see in Isaiah, God had an intention. Verse 5 says, Go and say to Hezekiah, Thus says the Lord, the God, of Jake, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Behold, I will add 15 years to your life. We had that, that hearing and saying sounds familiar, doesn't it? Children of Israel, bondage, in that case, God had seen their plight and God had heard their cries. So it's something that God always does. He always sees and he always hears. So Isaiah finally returned to the king's presence. He assured Hezekiah the Lord had been listening to the king's prayer and had seen the sincerity of his prayers. He had seen that Hezekiah's prayers were not crocodile tears. You know, a lot of times people go to poor God and crocodile tears. And God knows exactly what they're trying to pull. And so he allows them to just wait a little longer. In response to what the Lord had heard and seen, he poured out his grace. 
Ezekiah could not have twisted God's arm to force him to respond in such a gracious manner. Nothing he could have done to cause God to respond that way, other than what he did. God responded wisely and compassionately in keeping with his will for his kingdom. Now remember that, it's all about God. It's all about God's will and God's kingdom. And we need to remember, sometimes people forget that because they are so selfish, they're only thinking about their wills and what they want to accomplish and their agenda. God's kingdom, God's will. Observe that, observe that Hezekiah didn't ask the Lord to heal him. You notice that? He didn't ask the Lord to heal him. In fact, he didn't ask the Lord to do anything for him. Did he? Look at the verse. He didn't ask for anything. He was just pouring his heart to the Lord. The Lord listened lovingly and responded graciously. He promised Hezekiah 15 more years of life. Given the bad news Isaiah delivered at first, the promise of extended life must have been welcomed as a surprise blessing to Hezekiah. The Lord had responded in a fashion that exceeded what Hezekiah could have ever imagined. Never could have imagined that God would respond that way. Brother Ramy, I hate to interrupt you with this. Go ahead. But if you can relate the truth as it is, and it certainly is no bounds on no one to believe what I'm about to say, the same thing happened to me. Mm-hmm. The Lord came to me and said, I'm going to die in such and such a time, and it is about about the same June. Mm-hmm. And um, he told me the same thing, put your house in order. Mm. Same thing, the same thing with Isaiah. With Hezekiah, so I saw the same thing. The they call the dial of the sun. Mm-hmm. It, it's um, like I won't go into that. I seen all of that, and um, I went to Long Island because that is where I'm from, and I went to the church that I normally go to. And of course, there were not many people in the world who were in now, I guess, and I, and I told them that I was here and. I told them what had happened and they said all right. And then of course I left because I only was there probably for a week and then things changed. And um, I had a the Lord came back to me as I didn't come. <laughs> so he came back to me and he had a writing on the wall. I could read some of it, but I couldn't read all of it. And here I am today. So what you read in Hezekiah, they ain't no different from what he told Hezekiah. He told me, and I remember the dial of the sun. I saw everything. So you can relate. Understand? Okay. And God does that sometimes. Yeah. I'm sure there are others who have that who can say that they had a similar experience. Um, with what God has done. Verse 6 says, I will deliver you and the city of the hand of the king of Syria, and I will defend the city. So in verse 6, we notice something else. We notice that the Lord went on to give Hezekiah another promise. In addition to sparing his life, giving him 15 more years, God promised that he would deliver Jerusalem from danger. Hezekiah wasn't thinking about that. That wasn't on his mind. He was so absorbed 
and consumed with his health and what was going to happen to him. The, Syri- the, the Assyrian king had begun to take steps to invade Jerusalem and only God could rescue the city from the terrible disaster that awaited his people. God in his omniscience saw more than what, I- more than what Hezekiah saw. According to Isaiah chapters 36 and 37, the Lord provided the miracle his people needed. God always has a way of going the extra mile, doesn't he? In a powerful demonstration of his sovereign power, God kept his promise and rescued Jerusalem from destruction. God's promise about Jerusalem demonstrated how he planned to lavish his grace on Hezekiah. Without God's intervention, Jerusalem would have been doomed. Hezekiah's fate would have been just a, just tragic, just a, just a big tragedy. And so the Lord's response to Hezekiah's need sheds light on the wisdom of the Apostle John's instruction to believers. He urged us to bring our request to God and assured us God will listen and respond graciously in keeping with his will for us. We see that in 1 John chapter 5, uh, verses 14 and 15. And so growing Christians take John's assurance to heart. Hook, line, and sinker. We know God might not answer our prayer for healing in the same way he responded to Hezekiah, but he may as well. However, we rest in the assurance that God listens to us, and he will be gracious to us when he answers us. He always is. At the same time, he responds, his response will, will be given in accordance with his kingdom plan. And you can look for that in God's response. When God responds, you're going to see how his response lines up with keeping his kingdom in order. Okay, let's look at... Let's look at the paragraphs that go with that verse. We can read that, please. Well, now we get question number three. When has God answered your prayer in a way that was evident... It was from the Lord. Well, Cliff just shared his experience and how God answered. Anybody else? When has God answered your prayer in a way that was evident that it was from the Lord? In other words, he answered in such a way, only God could have done this, this way. Anybody? When my daughter was sick. When your daughter was sick. Okay. You had no doubt. She was expecting at that time, and the doctor told us that it was either her or the baby. I brought up from the here today and prayed, you know. Praise the Lord. So we know that God does answer that way. He still does. Remember, the Bible says God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so he does respond in the way today as he responded in Isaiah's day. Okay, let's look at the paragraphs that go with that verse. Someone want to read those, please? Surely Hezekiah's faith soared, and he was filled with praise when Isaiah came back and reported God's answer to his prayer. We rejoice when we hear such reports, but we may wonder why God doesn't always answer our prayers for healing. God does not always reveal the big picture to us or let us know why he answers the way he does. But he seemed to do that with Hezekiah. Hezekiah neither asked for 15 more years of life, nor for Jerusalem to be protected from attack, 
God's response included both. God's answer took into account not only the needs of Hezekiah, but also the people he led. God may not reveal to us the reasons for his answers, but that's where faith and trust come in. God always answers out of his love and his gracious plan for our lives. He answers in light of the big picture, which we cannot see. Incredible things happen to our faith when we pour our hearts into prayer and then witness the occurrence of the very thing we prayed for. When we pray, God will hear us, and we will experience answers to our prayers. Of course, we don't always see immediate responses to prayer. Some of our prayers were only answered after the one who prayed them died. Sometimes we pray for years with no apparent answers, but we know God is at work. Jesus instructed us to pray for our daily needs. We don't allow God to work in our prayers. We are missing out, missing one of the greatest opportunities he has given to us. Keep praying. God hears and he does answer. Okay. So Hezekiah's faith definitely soared as he was filled with the praise when Isaiah came back. Okay, the next verses show us that not only does God answer our prayers in accordance with his will, he answers in a way that benefits and also strengthens us. So let's look at those verses. We can have someone read the verse and the paragraphs that accompany it, please. What, what, what can I say? He has spoken to me, and he himself has done it. I walk along as slowly as slowly all my years because of the bitterness of my soul. Lord, can we speak a little louder so we can get a recording in? My throat. <coughs> oh, okay. Lord, by such, such things, people live, and his glory is in every one of them. My spirit finds like you have restored me to health and let me live indeed. It was for my own well-being that I had such intense bitterness but your love has delivered me from the pit of destruction for you have thrown all my sins behind your back. Okay. It doesn't require much spiritual deaths to rejoice when things are going well. But just but the person who can praise God in the midst of difficulties is a role model for us all. Hezekiah stands out as a hero of the faith because he walked with God, prayed and praised God through his suffering. When we feel emotionally empty or defeated by circumstances, bitterness, can creep over us and leave us angry and hopeless. When my neighbor's wife left him, suddenly I promised I would pray for him. He responded, I give up on prayer. A long time ago, he clearly was bitter. Hezekiah did not let his unpleasant circumstances push him away from God's instead. Instead, he turned to God. Hezekiah not only sought God through his illness, he praised God. Hezekiah acknowledged it was for his own good. He was able to experience such a bitter reaction to his illness. 
for only then was she able to see God's deliverance. I often hear, I often hear praise reports like this. For instance, a man in my congregation had a sudden spike in his blood, sugar leading his doctor to treat him for diabetes. In the process of treating his diabetes, the medical team discovered something far more life-threatening. For, for fortunately, fortunately, since the doctors made the diagnosis, earlier and were able to treat him, immediately he recovered in just a few months. Jesus taught us to pray for our daily bread, not because we are full, but because we are so frequently hungry. Our emptiness on any level can drive us to despair or lead us to prayer, but we can always turn to God, trusting Him and even praising Him before we receive the answer. Okay, very good. Notice the first and the last paragraphs uh, there. The first paragraph says, It doesn't require much spiritual depth to rejoice when things are going well. And we see that all the time. But the person who can praise God in the midst of difficulties is a role model for us all. Hezekiah is such a role model. Hezekiah stands out as a hero of the faith because he walked with God and prayed and praised God through his sufferings. And then when we get to the last paragraph there, it says, Jesus taught us to pray for our daily bread. Not because we are full, but because we are so frequently hungry, our emptiness on any level can drive us to despair or lead us to prayer. But we can always turn to God, trusting Him and even praising Him before we receive the answer. Praising God before we receive the answer. Question number four. When has answered prayer changed your perspective toward life? When has answered prayer changed? You had a certain perspective on life, but God interrupted that with an answer to prayer and it just changed your whole perspective. Anybody had that experience? Brother Randy, I don't want to take the time because I always do that. Nevertheless, I'd like to tell you the facts. When you personally have that encounter with the Lord, all fear is taken away. All. Mm -hmm. All doubts you believe, mm -hmm. and therefore there is no room for error of complacency or that either you walk the line or you get off the line. Mm -hmm. That is the way it is. Okay. Question number five. How has answered prayer been an encouragement to our group? When was the last time we had an answer to prayer in our group that was really encouraging? Anybody can remember? We prayed for somebody and we got an answer that was just a Brenda's son. Brenda son. Okay. Yeah, that was a good one. Alright, let's look then at how we're gonna as we wrap up here, right on the button. Um, we have a, a verse there that the singular Romans eight twenty eight. Uh, for we know that for this for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And that's a voice of comfort and assurance 
for God's people in the midst of suffering, difficulty, and challenges. Uh, let's look at how we're going to uh, flesh this out. Page 90, or page 100. Page 100? Yeah. Okay, we, we have daily needs and God wants, to seek, wants us to seek Him in prayer so that He can meet those needs. How will these truths affect how you pray? Choose one of the following applications. List your requests. Make a list of your needs, both daily and long term. Pray through that list and trust God to answer. Evaluate your requests. In light of God's honor, will, and kingdom, evaluate your list of prayer requests to the question on page 99. As needed, modify what you're asking and how you're asking to ensure your requests honor Christ. And three, share God's answers. Share with someone the specific ways God has answered your prayers. So we got three items there. You can choose one or you can choose all three, but I can tell you it's number three. You could probably encourage an individual to actually change their life and come to the Lord, especially if the person's not saved. Anytime you can tell a person how they can get an answer, you got them. You got their attention. All right? Whether it's our physical needs like food or our emotional, spiritual, or relational needs, God provides. We are to take our needs to Him on a daily basis and trust Him to provide what is best for us. And do not debate with God and do not argue with God about what He provides. Because remember, God knows what is best. Amen? Let's close in prayer. Our time is gone here. Father, we thank you for the opportunity once again to be reminded of how important it is to bring our petitions before you and to trust you, knowing that you have our best interests at heart and that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Bless our time spent here today, and we pray for the service to follow, for your manservant as he brings the word, and all those who will be ministering alongside him, spoken word and in song. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would get glory for yourself. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.